on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Welcome once again to the Runner Rebel Coaches Show. We're actually uh, down the hall, thank you, from uh, Bailiwick. We're over at the Bourbon Street Lounge, where we will be uh, for the next three or four shows at least. We'll keep you posted as uh, we move to this uh, beautiful venue here in the center of the uh, Orleans Casino. And uh, pleased to be with you as we talk Runner Rebel basketball. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and Coop. Assistant Coach John Cooper joining us. Uh, Coach Kruger is off on a recruiting trip, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But this evening we're going to talk about Runner Rebel basketball, talk about uh, a little bit of a shaky start to the conference season, the big game coming up this Saturday at the pit in New Mexico, and uh, also learn a little bit about one of our favorite human beings, John Cooper, because uh, he is a treat. I cannot tell you how many people around the world of college basketball have told me, you guys got Coop? You're in for a good time. And I think they're right, because he is something special. Uh, let's welcome him to the show. Coop, appreciate you being here. Uh, your first time to join us. Uh, and uh, your, first, your first time in Vegas, at least as a resident. Uh, how are things going thus far that way? It's going good. I mean... I got here without getting a speeding ticket. Which is good. My son Ooh. is here. His game is at four, okay. his middle school game. And so I caught maybe the first, oh, 15 minutes, 20, coming from Henderson. And then I pushed the gas. A little, little, little fast, a little fast, but I got here. So well, as long, it's going good, though. As long as the rain hadn't started yet, you were relatively safe. Exactly. Uh, CT, uh, Coop, Coop has been a breath of fresh air, Andy, since we've gotten to know him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> CT? That's CT. That's Curtis Terry right there. Um, I was going to touch on the speeding ticket thing, but I won't do yeah, that. But you know there's a new law in effect as of January 1 with speeding tickets. Yeah. Has everybody else heard that? Yeah. Oh, they're decriminalized? Yeah. <laughs> but they still give them to you. Yeah. I, and, 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 trust me, I know. And, and trust me, if, you, if you're going enough over the speed limit, they're not. Yeah. Huh. So, what's enough? Yeah, well, we, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for I was going show. enough. But you well, were going what's, enough. what's the speed limit here? Seriously, I should know well, that. But. Depends on, what, on, yeah, on trop? On, depends on what kind I of car you're driving. I was down uh, 215, and I was uh, on 15. Yeah, what's the speed limit? 55. 60. Really? Yeah, 55. Is, is, so does that mean it's that 75. is 80 too much? I wouldn't no. tell anybody you were doing 80. I didn't say I was doing 80. I just said it's yeah. 80 too much. It, 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 theoretically, assuming that it, you're, you we're just talking in theory right in now. In theory. It would have been, it would have, had you been going 80, it would have been too much. Right. And that's what I was or thinking. Or if you were had going more, going they probably. So, so you, are, you're talking about as you were doing 55, all those cards just flying by on yeah. either side. Well, as somewhere in the vicinity of 80. Yeah. <laughs> I said 80 because I was thinking that would I've be heard, a number. I've heard, this is what I've heard. If you're going over 80, They'll only write the ticket for eighty, though. Huh? So that's what the ticket so, could have yeah. been for. That's what it to, could to have all, been for. To all our law enforcement fans <laughs> out there who are no, listening right now, I'm joking. Come on. Exactly. We uh, we're we're fine law-abiding citizens, and uh, Coop leads the way in that category. Coop, you came here via SMU mm-hmm. uh, after uh, playing career at Wichita State and a couple years in the pros. Uh, it's been a journey. What what made you want to get into coaching? I enjoyed the game. Um, I knew in some capacity 
uh, after finishing school and, you know, you get your degree, you know, if you're not playing basketball, what is it that you want to do? And I knew it would be in some area of sports is what I hoped. Uh, I got my degree in business, so I, I thought that would allow me to maybe transcend and transcend and maybe go across different areas. Uh, and so that's sort of what led to it. And then the opportunity from uh, one of my uh, former position coaches, and boom, I started in 1993 at Fayetteville State University, and that's that's where it started. And here I am today, and wow, time has flown. It is a profession that I think most people understand about the very, very top layer of, of right. what's involved. I and I know you have been in every role there, there is in mm-hmm. coaching. Uh, you've been a head coach at a couple of different places. You come here with the Runner Rebels uh, as a member of Coach Kruger's staff, a program that is on the rise uh, trying to get back to national prominence on a regular basis, and I think you guys are doing a heck of a job. Well, I mean, I think we've certainly, um, I think we've gained people's attention. Um, you know, any time you're trying to get in a position of, uh, I don't know if relevance is the correct word, but but where your expectation level as not just coaches but the players is up here, and then that's that's a lot of work. You know, it's 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 a daily grind it's a uh, from a mental standpoint it's understanding there are days that coaches are going to get on your nerves um, but I think what you look for as a coach or as a coaching staff is what you're trying to get is to the point in that your team becomes a player coach team and not the coaches coaching the team and when you get to that point then it's it's really interesting to watch and to watch the things that can happen um, I would tell you in this day and age it's it's harder because of the uh, transfer, the portal. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Um, so it makes it different. So you have a lot of guys that are in your program who, quite frankly, um, have not been through all of the bumps, the bruises, the knocks, whatever you want to call them, and, and understanding that. And so it really, really makes it a different world that we, um, that we live in as coaches. And, it's, and even for me, it seems like this stuff just happened overnight. It, it, it did, though. I mean, you're, right. you're not wrong. Uh, you know, just a couple of years ago, the focus was on building a program by bringing in uh, a class of four or five freshmen right. and, and begin to develop them. That's gone. That's yeah. That's. I mean, when you when happen. you look at a roster now, it's 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 completely different. And, and it's funny because I hear all the time, you know, every night you hear everyone talking about the upsets. I I don't know really if that's true anymore, because when you look at some of these rosters and some of these kids, I mean. I mean, there are kids on some rosters that I remember, you know, they're McDonald's All-Americans, and, you know, they're playing at levels that are compared to where they recruited coming out of high school much lower. And so you start looking, you start looking at the experience, you start looking at all of those different things, and the rosters have completely changed. Therefore, um, it's a more balanced game overall throughout all levels of, of basketball. And so any night, um, any team can win a basketball game. And I think we, we have seen, I mean, first of all, that, that goes to, to your guys' credit and the guys' credit uh, on the team for having such a terrific non-conference performance because on paper some of the, some of the fans might look at the, some of those games and say, eh, they're not that tough. 
Uh, you go play Southern Illinois. You go play Southern Miss. You can play Washington State. There's pretty good players on those teams, and those are pretty good teams. But you're also seeing it, I think, in the way the Mountain West Conference has kind of jumped into the transfer portal. The Runner Rebels kind of leading the way, but New Mexico certainly has done the same thing. Uh, Utah State uh, ha- has done it. San Jose State certainly has right. upgraded their program. And, and you see it by their non-conference records. And then what you're seeing uh, as conference play is teams start to beat one another up. Well, I mean, conference play is a different beast in itself. And so there's familiarity. Um, you know, people aren't stunned. No one's stunned to come in any environment. Um, because they're used to it. You typically have some guys on the team. It's, um, and so all of those things create a different world um, when you're talking about conference play. And so a lot of times it's about momentum. Um, it's about who's healthy, you know, and depending on when you play. A lot of times people talk about, well, who did you play? Sometimes the most important word is when did you play them? And so um, that's definitely what we're um, experiencing when you look around the league. And so you know, it'll be interesting. I'm. I sat and I watched the uh, game last night, Fresno, because um, New Mexico is my scout. Well, my little cousin is the starting point guard for Fresno, and Isaiah, who I'm from Kansas City, Isaiah's dad, Isaiah's grand, Isaiah's grandfather is my uncle, and it's funny because I never saw him play as a kid. The only time I ever saw him play was when I would be out recruiting in the summer because he played for Compton Magic. And he ends up going to Tulsa. I'm at Oklahoma State at the time, so we get to spend more time together than we ever have. I mean, I, did, I remember when he was born, pitchers, that kind of deal, but I didn't know him. And then, of course, he ends up transferring out here. And now the next thing you know, I'm out here. So I sent him a text last night and told him, congrats and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, he's like, can't wait to see you again, cuz. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, so it's, it. it's just a different world, man. Yeah, it is. I mean, CT, can you – as you look at it from your experience as, as a, a guy who walked on at UNLV and then spent years here helping to build the program under Lon Kruger and going to the NCAA tournament and having those runs, uh, the, the change is, is just – it's everything. Oh, it's, it's a completely different ball game now. And it, it, for me, and as, as close as we are to the game now, it's, it's still trying to figure out and get a grasp of, of the landscape of not just college basketball but college athletics. And I think the biggest thing for me, like, it was always a sense of pride playing for Coach Kruger, playing for UNLV and being a part of this community. Obviously, I've seen many of your faces for two decades now. Um, and you guys still look great as ever. But it's, it's a matter of, like, for me, it was a sense of pride of, of what we were able to build there at UNLV, and that's why I still have so strong feelings about the program. But now I, I'm curious, Coach, just for you and your time, along your stops, it was different because you got guys that are there for three, four, five years but now with the transfer portal, you've got guys that are maybe there for a year and maybe less, and guys come in and out and, and coming and going. Do you find it hard, like specifically with this group, in terms of trying to find guys that are buying in and having the pride of what they're trying to build? Because you guys are going to be here a lot longer than the players because they've got kind of that, that emergency exit they can pull. But in terms of trying to make it a player-run team as opposed to coaches run when there's a, that option to transfer out and having that pride be a factor of why guys play so hard and so committed to the program that they're with? Well, it's hard to do. Um, you, you, you touched right on it. You have so many new people. It's, I mean, I guess I could throw it back to you guys. It's, uh, I don't know what all, everyone here, their various careers and what they were, but if you can imagine walking into a new, your, your corporate office, walking into a new building the first day at work, and all of a sudden you're asked to sort of set the culture, set the tone of the company. And there's probably a part where you look around and you're like, 
darn, I'll use that word, darn, <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out where the heck the restroom is, you know, and, and that's, that's what it's like now. And so, you know, I, I would tell you those that can, and I, just to put it like the world, those that can grow, adopt, adapt, excuse me, quickly, typically are the ones that have an opportunity to have success a little bit earlier. And so if you're the type of um, person that struggles, struggles, struggles with change, and I firmly believe that change helps you grow. Um, and I always say when you're exposed to things, it helps you grow. Even if you don't want to change, it stretches you. And that's the same thing that we're dealing with um, with kids, uh, young men this day and age. And not to mention NIL and everything else that's going on. Um, I would tell you it seems like there's more and more things on their shoulders as kids compared to when even when I was coming out. And maybe it's not more, but it seems to be more. And I think that goes with the expectation of whether it's friends, family, whatever, of playing at this level and the possibility of what maybe could happen. And you start seeing the huge gross amounts of money that NBA players are making. So I think you've got more people that have latched on to kids. Um, I don't know if the, the degree thing is as important um, from the standpoint of the people that are behind the kids. I remember being recruited and the whole neighborhood watching to see what coaches came to the house right, to do right. the in-home. Like, like it was a big deal. It was a big deal when a college coach sat at your game. Well, these kids, it's, it's normal. They've seen it forever and ever since they're, you know, 13, 14 years old. And you, re- you rarely do all the home visits anymore. So it's just a different dynamic. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying it's good. But it is certainly different. So you guys have done a terrific job. I mean, last year uh, brought in a whole bunch of new guys, had a solid season. This year off to a tremendous start, 11-3 and three to start the year with, again, uh, you know, half the team, half the roster, and, and a great many of the, the real contributors on this team being brand new. So when you go about evaluating kids to bring them in through the transfer portal, you mentioned being able to adapt, being able to deal with change. How do you how do you tell that a that an EJ Harkless or an Elijah Parquet or a or a, a Luis Rodriguez is going to be a guy who's going to be able to handle, uh, you know, being able to change the culture while they're trying to figure out where the bathroom is? Well, sometimes I don't think you really know. That's just being honest. But you know, a lot of times, you know, kids kids want change where they are. It's maybe there's something that's not going right or whatever it may be, but they just need a fresh whole fresh environment and so but a lot of times when you're talking about the older transfers those guys they look at it as this is maybe hey my last chance this is my opportunity to get this right and so there's also a sense of urgency um and and you hope you get kids that have a sense of urgency that's important and if you can do that and you have kids that are willing to give of themselves and sacrifice, then you're fortunate and you have an opportunity. Obviously, if they can play, that helps. Well, it has helped, and it's worked. And, no, and I would say, from my perspective, I think you, you guys have seen this. I mean, the last two years we've seen it, but you're having more success with guys that are transferring that are seniors or fifth-year seniors. Right. Because exactly. they're, they're coming in, they're ready, they're prepared, they're seasoned, they know what to do, and, you, and they know, you know what to expect of them and vice versa. 
do you guys, is that something that you guys look for? Like we're looking for the upper class transfers as opposed to like a kid that's only been there a year and he's looking to get out because maybe you don't know if you can trust him because he hasn't really cut his teeth yet? Or is that something that you guys even, even kind of think of as a coaching staff when you're, when you're recruiting or kind of just keeping an eye on the, the potential transfer portal? Well, it, it certainly comes up. And I think what happens is when you get the older guys, the one thing that you can always say is that they've been coached. They've been coached. They've been through it. They've had the good. They've had the bad. All of those things. So hopefully when they get to your program, they sit here. And you're past this. Um, when you're taking younger guys, there's an opportunity. There, excuse me. There's a chance that they may still go through some of that. And, and that's sort of part of it. Um, but then, of course, you're, you're hoping that they're about the right stuff. They, they've got the right thing inside, which is going to allow them to uh, persevere and keep going. And so what I sound like is you need to be a doggone psychologist well, you, which, to figure you, this thing out. And so I, there it is. Yeah, I, you need to be a psychologist. You need to be a mind reader. You need to be a lot of things right. in addition to just being a basketball coach. And it's, uh, I think the, the list of qualifications or the list of requirements to be a, a, a Division One college basketball coach these days, a successful one, that list of requirements has grown significantly over the last two years with all this new stuff. It has, and it's, it's been everywhere. I mean, the team that I was coaching last year, SMU, we had a bunch of transfers also. And we're fortunate. We had the right group, and they came, they played well, blah, 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 and all of this. So it's everywhere you go, and it's touched the blue blood of the blue blood programs now, and so it is what it is. All right, we're going to take our first break. We're going to continue this conversation because it's, it's, it's fascinating. You kind of talk about maybe projecting into the future. Is this the future of, of college basketball and the Runner Rebel program, or can you tweak it a little bit to, to kind of start to build that foundation? We'll get into that in a moment. Hey, Rebel fans, win big with water conservation, mandatory winter watering restrictions. Still in effect through February. If you haven't changed your watering clock to one day a week, do it now to avoid costly water waste fines. It's the law. Find your assigned watering day at snwa.com. You're listening to the Runner Rebel Coaches Show from the Bourbon Street Lounge here inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Parrish has his pass stolen by Rodriguez. Luis in the lane for the slam dunk. So the Rebels score five straight and cut it to nine, 57-48. And that's how you have to do it. You've got to be tough on defense, see if you can get opportunities. Great job by Luis. Back to the Kevin Kruger Coaches Show, live from the Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. We're actually down the hall at Bourbon Street, the Bourbon Street Lounge here inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Great to be with you. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, assistant coach John Cooper joining you, talking runner rebel basketball and uh, getting a little uh, philosophical right now, talking about uh, the current state of affairs in, in college basketball, college athletics, with the transfer portal and what that means. Folks, uh, a nice crowd here. Uh, remember, you got the hot dog and nacho bar set up over there and uh, the adult beverages behind us. So uh, whatever, whatever you need, whatever pleases you, go ahead and grab it and, and uh, stick around. We'll entertain you uh, until the top of the hour. Uh, we were talking about the transfer portal and the impact and wanted to get into building a program. Coach Kruger right now is on a recruiting trip and uh, taking advantage of the fact that the Rebels are off this week to go do some recruiting. So you don't ignore freshmen. But they're no longer the, the only or the, the, the majority priority of, of a program as, as you build it or as you, as you maintain it. As you look at the future of this Runner Rebel program, we hope you're here for, for as long as you want to be. As long as you win. <laughs> but, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, but all that being said, is the future of this program going to continue to be what we've seen the last two years, which is, you know, a, a, 
not a complete, but a, a significant roster turnover every year? Or do you think it's going to get to the point where you're going to be able to bring in three freshmen a year to help build that foundation who are significant contributors and then just fill in? Well, I think it starts with the right freshmen. Obviously, you know, really, really good players are really good players. Yeah. And so whether, whether they're freshmen or seniors. So you certainly need that. Um, but do I see it going back to the days and the glory years that you guys all experienced and saw firsthand from the standpoint of the roster? I don't know if that will happen immediately um, because it's going to have to be a change in the rules. And the rules are going to have to go back different because right now, just the way it's set up and from a patience standpoint, from whether it's fans or administration, um, there's not a lot of that anymore. So you can remember back when a coach would take a job and initially it'd be a five-year contract and talk about it by year three, by year three, year four, boom, boom, boom. I mean, you don't hear people saying that anymore. You got coaches that get fired in year two. And so it's just a different deal. Um, and the other side of that is I don't know if the rules will change because the student athletes have a very, very strong voice now. It's much more different. And I, I, I get it. If, if you're a student athlete, you want to have that voice. They're very involved in some of the rules and some of their thoughts and, and, and the NCAA for whatever it is and, and listening to what they're saying. And so it's changed. But you're still not going to turn down a really, really good freshman if you can get one um, that's good enough to come in and, and help and be productive. And it still makes sense to possibly have another one depending on it's always good to have a seven footer that just may not be ready as freshman year but by sophomore year all of a sudden you've got something special um and so i think it's going to continue down this path i don't know when that's going to change but it does affect the high school kids for sure oh no doubt could you imagine being a being a a a good college recruit right now as a senior in high school I don't know, and I, and I look at it, but I mean, if the, if the rules were like this when I was coming out of high school, I probably wouldn't have made it to college, to Division One college basketball. I would have had to go to JUCO and, and yep. go to a lower level and try to, you know, I mean, have enough numbers to be able to, to earn some some respect to be able to transfer up. I mean, here, here's, here's what's weird. So you think about this. I, I'm a good high school player, right? I can't go where I want to go, but maybe I can go to a level that's lower. Still Division One. Um, let me think of somewhere I, co- I coach. Let's, let's talk about the OVC because I coached in that league. So the Ohio Valley Conference, you can go in that league, and let's say you're a freshman and you average 16, 17. You're literally probably going to be recruited by everyone in the country, everyone. Like there are schools now that are going to recruit you that wouldn't even have thought about looking at you, and I'm talking all the way up to the top, and that's just what's happening and unfortunately for that school who put in all the, the blood, the sweat, the tears, they're going to lose you and someone else is going to get you, which I'm not sure that if you're at that level now and you're in the OVC that you shouldn't position your program to tell kids, hey, hey, we will take you, we will develop you, and if you leave, very good. We're happy for you if we only have you for one year because I'm not, sure, not so sure that doesn't put you in a good place to get other kids. Yeah, and I look at it, you talk about like, like Keyshawn Gilbert last year, right? I mean, obviously Keyshawn Gilbert, he's, he's leaps and bounds from last year to, to this year as a sophomore. But I, for my fear, and I think other college programs see this as well, you think like we have to do everything right, not just from a playing standpoint, a development standpoint, but off the court from an NIL standpoint and surrounding these guys with the right opportunities because – you, you have a good season, and I'm not trying to throw this in the universe so it sounds bad of me, but 
there's the fear that you could develop a kid and they could jump ship like that and you could kind of set back your program in terms of what you've done. And so when you make sure of, because I remember like uh, we had sat in a compliance meeting way back in 2004 and it was literally name, image, and likeness. You had to sign away your life. Yeah. So that way you didn't have the opportunities. But now that's what these kids can relish because that gives them that voice and that power. So, yeah. So, la- so obviously last year I'm at SMU. Um, our point guard, uh, Kendrick Davis, really good. he's a really good player. Kendrick is like a little son to me. He probably talked three or four times a week every in the night. Kendrick, I don't know. Kendrick would have stayed at SMU if our whole staff would have been there. I'm almost sure of that because he felt good. But as soon as that happened, as soon as Jank retired and everything else, there was probably no way that SMU could get him back. And unless they were willing – I mean, he's getting like six hundred grand. What have him? Uh-huh. He's, that's what he's getting to do what? So how do you tell a kid to, <laughs> to, go, to go to college? To go to Memphis? Yeah. And you're going to tell him that he's to say no to a little over half a million dollars. Yeah, and I mean, right. there's again, and and that's I mean that's a a whole other factor, right? And that's a this, discount yeah. compared to what they gave Jalen Duran and what they gave um the other kid. Yeah, Imani. But right, but so. Your it's, point, yeah, your, it's hard. Your point, coach, about the Ohio, the Ohio Valley schools, or even in basketball, some of the MAC schools, uh, some some of those schools at that level um, are going to, as you said, kind of be farm system, kind of, yep. kind of a, a you know, it's a lot of jungle. Yeah, it is. It's, it's every level, and and so even for us, right. So the question is, can UNLV get to the point where they're? I mean, and and you guys have done a great job in the first two years. Can UNLV become hunter rather than hunted? Can they be a destination well, yeah, I, rather I, than a, a, it, a jumping off point? Here's, here's why. I think so, and, and this is a credit to all of you people that have been around the program. The one thing that no matter, anytime I call a kid, I don't care what part of the world it is, if you say UNLV, there is name recognition. I, I mean, I'm serious, and I'm not just saying that to say it. And so what happens because of the history, because of the name recognition, because it's Vegas, um, because of what's going on with basketball in general as it pertains to this city, um, yes. Now, can you legitimately talk to a kid, and let's think about it, a kid that maybe doesn't come from much and he's got an opportunity to get a half a million dollars and you're not in that you're not able to do that, not near able to do that. Well, that's a hard thing to, ha- to say. He's got to want to be here. But what you can do is that when you do get kids that are good players, what you hope is that the experience that they get is such a good experience that there's a sense of loyalty to the program. And as people always say, you know, relationship goes two ways. And so that you meet in the middle, that they're getting what they need out of the relationship as well as the coaching staff, the program is getting what they what they need. And what's also been documented, and, you know, it's getting more and more, is that sometimes you've got to pull the numbers of kids that have transferred and programs that they've gone to. And you've got to be able to show them that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And, and that's the truth. Now, if you're 21 years old and someone's going to give you a half a million dollars, you're not thinking probably as straight as you need to think. And that's well, where, my, and my that's where you My thinking went pretty straight to the money, <laughs> yeah, straight to exactly. the bank. <laughs> I mean, and so that's what it is. But, you know, you, I think you do have to build a sense of loyalty. Um, you want them to have a great experience. You hope that they're a little bit different than most of their generation and that they have some patience. And, which, some, and some perspective. And perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so 
how much does the fact that Donovan Williams and Royce Ham had a had a really terrific year last year and are doing so well, and now you've got EJ Harkless and you've got Luis Rodriguez right. and guys like that doing well. Guys talk. This is a small community. Well, so I was in the Big 12 with those guys. Right. Well, talk about coaching. I've been right. some places. So I was in the Big 12 at Oklahoma State when those guys were there. And so one of the things you do show is, like, look at what happened to these two. Look at the opportunity. Look at Royce Ham and only ever attempted, what, two or three threes in his career. Look what he does his last year. Look at, Donovan, look at Donovan's numbers. Boom, one year removed. You, you sell that and you show that to kids because – what you hope they grasp is if you want to play the sport and you want to continue, sure, you can get this money here right now. But in order to be able to get the kind of money you're wanting to get and to continue to play basketball, you need to be productive this year in your senior year, whatever it may be. And that's going to set you up, whether it's Europe, uh, NBA or whatever. And now, instead of looking small picture, you look big picture. And it's hard to do for kids, but that's what you want to do and show them. And like you said, they talk. Yeah. Oh, they do. And, and I've always said, I mean, the, the players are, are the their biggest recruiters, uh, yes. like you just mentioned. I mean, the coaches come out, and they can kind of sell you a dream and show you what could be what could be not. But when guys typically go on visits, they're sitting with the players that are already there, and the players typically keep it real with them. Like, you, I'm here. You don't want to come here. Or it's not as good as they're making it seem, or it's better than. Um, and that's why I've always said, like myself, the other former runner Rebels that are in town, even the ones that aren't out of town, I think it's so important for them to come back because they can show the sense of community and the support that these guys have and the opportunities, not just when you're on the court, but off the court in this city. Like, I'm still here. There's a bunch of guys still in, in town. Um, but, again, you talk about uh, Royce. You talk about Donovan. You talk about what EJ is going to be able to do when he leaves Luis right. and, and Eli. Um, you talk about uh, uh, Bryce. I mean, yeah. those guys and what they've done and the success that they've had. Now, whether it's, it's a long time you're here or a short time you're here, they're going to be the ones that say, you know what? The coaching staff, the people on the on campus, the community, the fans, the supporters, they're the ones that make it what, where you want to be. Because at the end of the day, you're playing basketball, you're going to be inside. There's a lot that every city has to offer. This one has so much more, but it's about what you're going to be in the, in the kind of environment that you're going to be in. I think that's very well said. We've got to take another break. Uh, when we come back, we'll get back into this year and the Runner Rebels and talk about uh, coaches' impressions of this team and what – the guys are doing to get ready for uh, the next slate of conference games starting with Saturday evening down in the pit, which is not only sold out, it's oversold out. Standing room only in the pit on Saturday. We'll be on here at 6, at six o'clock, run a Rebel warm-up over on ESPN 1100, uh, 6.30 with the tip, Las Vegas time. It should be wild. That's a pretty good New Mexico team. Fans want to remind you, Finley Chevrolet located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow. It's Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership. Frankly, they're customer-driven. You're listening to the run a Rebel Coaches Show from the Bourbon Street Lounge here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Gilbert the other way. San Diego State's hit three threes. Gilbert and a lob to Mawoka for the slam dunk. Nice play run by the Rebels there, 21-17 UNLV. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. It almost sounds like Cooper. Kruger, Cooper. <laughs> we look so much alike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's a year taller. Uh, here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino at the Bourbon Street Lounge, John Sandler, Curtis Terry, assistant coach John Cooper, getting ready for the Runner Rebels, heading out to New Mexico for the game against the Lobos on Saturday. Coop's got the scout, and uh, this is a team that has gone from uh, 
uh, a team that was really struggling, a program that was really struggling a couple of years ago. Coach Richard Patino came in, got a couple of guards to come uh, play for him, and those guys are now filled in with some other transfers over the portal. And uh, until last night, they were the last undefeated team in Division One college basketball. The Runner Rebels know how tough that is. Uh, they were one of the last, what, seven, six? Un- I think seven, maybe. Yeah, undefeated teams uh, before uh, the last three minutes of the USF game. And uh, uh, Rebels uh, wouldn't mind going down there and, and pinning uh, laws number two on the Lobos uh, on Saturday uh, in front of what will be an absolute madhouse at the pit. Uh, but I think you've got the right group for that. They'll, they'll kind of relish the opportunity. Well, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want as a player. You want to play in front of a packed house. Um, they've oversold the place. They're coming off of a loss, so obviously they're going to be revved up and they're going to be ready to go. Um, it's a great environment there. Um, it's going to be extremely loud, so uh, we'll have to do it together. Um, but it'll be fun. I mean, obviously I'm, familiar, I'm very familiar with them. Um, we played them last year, and of course now we're playing them this year, so uh, there's some familiarity for me. Uh, but very good, you know, when you start with the three-headed monster and House Mashburn. And uh, Udaisy, um, Udaisy coming from uh, Wichita State, and you know I, I would tell you the biggest difference between their team are their are their two inside kids that they've added to the program. That's what's um, changed them, in my opinion. Um, the guards have been very good, and now they've got uh, counterparts. And so they, up until two games ago, they had three guys that were averaging literally right at 17. I think House was at 17, yeah. and Mashburn and Udaisy were at 16.9. Um, so they're a very good team. They're very good in transition. Um, they're fast. They're quick. They obviously play much better um, at home, like most teams. Um, and, you know, I, I look at them. They do a terrific job of getting to the foul line. Uh, before last night's game, they were um, second in the country as far as getting to the line with 27 attempts per game. And they were first in the country with makes, with 20 free throw makes per game. So, Um, What that tells me is they've got some guys that can do it off the bounce. Um, They've got inside presence, and they put a lot of heat on you um, in transition. And so um, I say all those things to say, um, you know, we're going to have to play well. We're going to have to be together um, and understand um, the best way for us to win and and our opportunity to go into a hostile environment and and get what what would be considered a terrific, terrific win. It it really would be, and... uh... Uh, you know, a lot, lot to pick from there. Uh, one of the things, just talking about those three guys and actually their whole roster, their shooting percentages are through the roof. These, yeah. guys, these guys shoot it incredibly well. Well, typically when you see that, there's a couple of things. And not all the time, but typically. It means that, number one, they're a team that they share the basketball. And so what happens is guys are shooting the right shots, the shots that they're capable of making. And they're not having to force. And, and so I think they're a really unselfish team. Um, you know, Udaisy, for instance, um, their inside player, I don't, I don't think he took one last night. I don't remember seeing one. So he hasn't taken a three all year. He hasn't taken one three, and he's averaging 17 points a game. So what does that tell you? He sticks to his role. He knows what he does. Um, you look at Mashburn, everyone talks about how terrific he is from two-point range, and he's shooting a really good percentage from three. But you know he's going to operate most times in the mid-range, and he's not worried about the analytics or whatever because that is his best game, his best shot. 
And so when you when you have a team that does what they're best at and they stick to it, a lot of times those people are going to be really successful. And that, you know, that's been a key to the Runner Rebels success early on this season, going to that 11 and 3 record. Guys knowing their roles, guys doing what they can, sharing the basketball. It's been a little bit out of sorts. Right. Uh, last couple of games. Part of that I think is you miss Elijah Parquet. And I don't know I would have to ask the fans. I don't know if the fans recognize what he does for our team because I don't think it's anything that's grandoise. Yeah. That is, you Good sit word. and look and go, wow. But he is unique in that if you've played and you find a guy that can go pick up the ball, three-quarter court, full court, every single time, and he doesn't breathe, like, I, I don't know if he's human. And he does not sit down in timeouts. I don't know if people recognize that. So when we come to timeouts, EP does not sit. He stands. And so when you're playing 32, 33 minutes a game and you can do that, and, and the only people that can give you the feet, that the only person that can give you those feet is the man upstairs because he's got feet by God and that he's able to really, really move his feet. And for those people that understand football, you hear them talk about D-backs being able to really swing their hips. they got great hips. He's got unbelievable hips, the ability to move, change direction, and it doesn't look like it's any effort. And so what happens is he, that part of the game and the way we defend, he takes care of that. It's over with. And now what happens is other guys are having to do that. And you know as a player, CT, like you know that that's hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and, and the thing, I mean, obviously, he's, you said grandiose. I mean, he, what he does doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And that's why people probably don't notice the impact that he has on games because he's not going to get a bunch of points. He's not going to take a lot of shots. But he's going to guard the best player. He's going he's to be the quarterback on the, for the defense and call everything out. And those are things that are unheralded. But it's also things that nobody wants to do or not many people can do. There you go. And, right. and the fact is for him, and I saw him, I think it was last week at practice. I stopped in, and he was, he was doing some of his, his rehab work. And, and it was actually after the San Jose State game, and you guys were having a pretty spirited practice. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, you're coming back soon, right? He's like, yeah, a couple more weeks. And I'm like, all right. I was like, because uh, you know they miss what you do. He's like, yeah, I know. Because, again, it's, you can't make up for him for being the guy that talks on defense, the guy that dives on the floor for loose balls, the guy that picks up full court, the guy that reminds everybody where they're supposed to be, the matchups, the coverages. Because when you have to say, okay, someone's down, we got a next man up, it's typically we got to score some points. Well, we don't right. need points. We need the defense and the leadership and the, and the experience. And those are things that are, you just you can't yeah. replace. Yeah. So he, he, he anchors us from that standpoint. Yeah. And so, you know, we're a boat out there. We come to the dock, and, and now our anchor's sort of broken off. We don't have an anchor from that right. standpoint. I mean, so, for, for, for respect that, out of him. And that's what he does because I've heard that mentioned quite a few times about m- missing him. And, and I would know if I didn't understand the game or not that I didn't understand but really, really see what he does, I'd be like, well, what is it? Because it's not like he's shooting the cover off the ball or whatever, but that's what he brings in. And the reason it's important, it's important because of the way we play defense and our style of defensive play. That's why it's so important. And I'll say the one thing is if you can, and we've shown improvement since he went out, if we can continue to improve without him, and then that means everybody else is going to be stronger in those facets, and that's right. going to be helpful as the season progresses. But then you talk about that's going to be helpful for the culture of the program as you move forward. And yes. when he leaves, then you've got the younger guys that are able to step up and learn those things that he's been able to teach them. Absolutely. And it's, it's something Curtis and I talked about uh, both at San Jose and against San Diego State is the impact isn't, isn't just his leaving, as you referred to, 
Other guys have to fill in. Rotations get changed. Rotations are different. Roles get changed. Uh, it, 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 it affects everything. And right. so until you get them back, it's just going to be a matter, as Curtis said, of getting those guys trying to get better at, at doing those things and making the adjustments you can and just battling through it. There it is. I mean, and I get it. You know, when you're a head coach and you're having to now adjust, you're trying to figure out what are you going to get from the different pieces and how does it all mesh. So, you know, there's an adjustment on all parts, but here we are. we still got to figure out a way to win a game. No doubt about it. All right, we're going to take our final break, come back, and uh, maybe get Coop to talk about what goes on with the coaching staff at UNLV and how much fun they're having as they grind through this year. We'll, we'll get him to talk about that a little bit. Fans, remember, get off the sidelines and into EOS Fitness, a proud partner of UNLV featuring premium amenities, including their turf functional training area, Move EOS Cinema, they're open 24-7, and much more. Join for as low as $9.99 a month at joineos.com, EOS Fitness. Better gym, better price. Back with more of the Runner Rebel Coaches Show from the Bourbon Street Lounge here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Harris steps through, shot blocked by Mawoka, goes to Gilbert, up ahead to Rodriguez, now to Harkless for the slam dunk. Great defense, quick hands by the Rebels. Rodriguez, terrific pass there, and it's a seven-point San Diego State lead. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry, with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. That sequence, uh, one of a couple of times the Runner Rebels were able to get it within basically one big shot uh, from, uh, from getting uh, that game to down to one possession against San Diego State in the second half. Terrific ball movement there and sharing in transition. Uh, just unable to hit that big shot, and that really was the difference in the game. A couple of looks that uh, didn't go down for the Runner Rebels. Now getting ready for New Mexico. Saturday, 6.30 tip, Las Vegas time. We'll be on the air at 6 o'clock with Runner Rebel warm-up. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and uh, assistant coach John Cooper with you uh, talking Runner Rebel basketball. Okay, we've gotten through all the serious stuff. Right. This summer, Coach Kruger, you know, looking for continuity, right. but loses his entire coaching staff, uh, to, to go kind of like the players do to, to places where they can, you know, make maybe make more money and, and whatever. And, and now the, the challenge is you go, you go bring in a, a, a new staff, and you never know how it's going to work. You guys are so good and so much fun together and seem to enjoy each other and work so well together. What's been the key? What's been, why is it working so well? Maybe it's, it's probably the most unique staff I've ever been on. And I've been doing this now for 30 years. The most fun. I don't know why, but it is literally like a bunch of 12-year-olds <laughs> every day. They're not kidding. Uh, and, and I'm not exaggerating. Every day. And we sit around the round table, and it's all on. Nothing's off limits. You know, guys being guys. And, you know, it's respectable. But I often, I think I've told Kevin, I said, I don't think people would really believe that this is you if they wouldn't believe it. And it's funny because I've known Kevin because, I mean, I'm, I coached against Kevin number one when he was playing at Arizona State. Uh, his dad recruited me. Um, and I knew him because of Lou, um, who was my best friend, who used to be assistant here at Lou Hill. We're teammates, best friends. And so that's how I sort of met him in that crew. And then I see him at times and, and something he may say, and I'm just like, there's no way 
people would believe that you have this sense of humor. Yeah, it is. No one would believe it. It is so dry is, and so it's deadly. It is. It's uh, it's unbelievable. It's you know as and, well and, as anybody. and we're and we get on him like he is one of the guys. It is. You in, have to. Yeah. It, 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 it. No one is uh, spared. And if you're sensitive, you probably should go home. <laughs> and, and I've been at the Mendenhall. I've, I've popped by practice every now and then because I get bored or I'm taking a lunch break. Or, but, and I pop by the Mendenhall and the coaches, like, practice is over. That's the best time because they're just downstairs in the, in the coaches' lounge just hanging out. And so I go in there, and it's, it, you're walking into a war zone. Yeah, and uh, it is. It's, they, they, they have a good time. They're, talk, they're watching film typically while they're doing it. Um, but like you just mentioned, what kind of, what, how is Kevin like when he's up here during, during the coaches' shows? And I'm like, Kevin's Kevin. But Kevin's different to everybody. And I've known Kevin, I mean, since we were 14 years old, back when, when Lon was coaching the Hawks. My brother Jason was playing there. And so me, I've seen Kev, me and Kevin have grown up together. We've lived together. Um, Kevin's, Kevin's a special guy. He is. But if you don't know him, you, you would never think that he, can, he, could, he could sit in the barracks with you and, and shoot the you-know-what. Um, but he, and he's probably, probably the deadliest one Trust to me. do so, for sure. Trust me. Yeah, I, th- there's a brain and there's, yes. a, there's a sharp tongue, and he knows exactly when to engage both. Uh, and, and he also, he also I mean, it, it's, it's, Kevin has an amazing future, I think, as a head coach because he can do all those different things. He can, he can go into any room and, yeah. and is going to do well. Well, I think he's normal. Yeah. And a lot of times you really don't necessarily see that, particularly from coaches' sons that they get in this profession. And so he's Kevin's pretty normal, humble guy. He really is. Um, and I hope, and I hope for him, because I understand having to go through the staff change, that it has been a good transition and adjustment for him with us being there. I mean, I think it is. He's never said it's not. Um, but I, I'm sure he's genuine in what he has said to us and some of the things. And I think it's it, it, anytime you spend this amount of hours doing anything, you need to have some fun. And when, you, and when you're sacrificing as much, whether it's family, friends, or anything you do, it's hard when you do this and you're miserable and you don't enjoy being around each other. And, that, and trust me, you'd be amazed at the programs you see that – or like that. And I would say the, the, the biggest thing, and I've said this before, I think Kevin is more comfortable in who he is as a coach this year than last year. Oh, yeah. And I also think he's enjoying it more, but I think it has to do with the staff um, and just what he wants to accomplish. I think he truly believes in it more now. And you're seeing Kevin be Kevin. Because I think last year he was Kevin, but he was more Coach Kruger last year. Right. I think this year I think he's pulling, peel, peeling back some of those layers. And I think it's, it's just it's, it's going to continue to grow as he continues to grow as his time and, as a head coach. And I think, too, there's uh, well, we've got a couple former head coaches on the staff. And, and quite frankly, you don't bring everything to him. He doesn't need everything. No, there especially are Kevin. That we, that we can handle. <laughs> and he doesn't need all of that because as this thing gets going and you get into the season, there's a lot going on when you're sitting in that chair. But the thing about that is I think, first and foremost, he trusts that we're going to handle it. And no one is sitting there, you know, biting at his back, trying to become the next head coach at UNLV. We're, I mean, we're, we're enjoying it. We're having fun. And, you know, it's like I told him, I just, I want to see you just tear it up. Just tear it up. And, that's, and that's, have fun with it. I think you know? that's what we all want. We all are hoping for him and for the guys and for you and for BP and Jamal and, and, and everybody uh, associated with the program. And it, uh, it gets started up again on Saturday at the pit. Uh, and then Boise, a week from tonight at the Thomas and Mac. Conference has gotten 
kind of stupid hard. <laughs> it's hard. And we haven't started off with the easiest slate, but no. hey, you got to play them all at some point. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll, we'll get right. We'll be, we'll be okay. Yeah, you know. So much of it is timing, as you said. I mean, if you had said to any of these good people or anybody listening, hey, 11-3 and three on uh, the 4th of January, what are you thinking about that? Everybody, exactly, woo-woo is right. right. The way it's happened is probably not the way anybody would have expected it. You're after- but but that's, uh, that's, what's, uh, uh, that's what has happened. All right, that's going to do it for us. Coop, I want to really appreciate Thank you. uh, your being here. Uh, thanks to everybody here at the Bourbon Street Lounge. We'll be back here Thank you. next week. Uh, I believe we're on Tuesday next week. Uh, talk to you Saturday from the pit, 6.30 tip and a 6 o'clock warm-up. Thanks to DeMond and to Dick Murphy. This is John saying thanks for listening. Talk to you Saturday. Have a great evening, everybody. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, you've been listening to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network.